Hi, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you all. <laughs> no sound yet. I'm, that's why I'm just saying things so they can try and solve it. Because if I don't say anything, they don't know if it's working. And if I use this, I'll move, and then you won't hear half of the sermon. So, um, Yeah, that's better? Great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Thank you to Chris and Kevin and everybody up in the tech booth. It's like double important that we have sound these days, especially with so many people joining us online. So I said thanks be to God and also thank you to Toby for reading the scripture for us this morning. That was really lovely and wonderful. Today is the fourth and the final Sunday in the season of Advent, the day when we name our longing for the coming of love among us. We all have different um, ways of understanding love. Often these things are rooted in our cultural background, our family background. For some of us, love is something that's never discussed, that's never said, that's understood by the actions of people who love us and who we love. For others of us, love is something that's so easily discussed, so drenched in everything in our society that it is even something that we just use as a greeting uh, at the end of phone calls. Love you. Love you too. So then if we have all these different understandings and ways of relating with love, we must wonder, is there something common that will unite us in our waiting and in our longing? The church has always held that love is the greatest virtue. Colossians tells us that love binds all the other virtues together, whether compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, or patience. All of these are held together in perfect unity by love. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And that makes sense because we remember that we worship a God who is at the core, a loving relationship of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so love should also be a thing that we value most of all as it makes us more and more like the God who we worship. In fact, apart from love, so many other things lose all meaning, all value, all worth. Again, in 1 Corinthians, we hear Paul announce that if he had the gift of prophecy, if he had all knowledge and could understand all mysteries, and if he had faith that could move mountains but didn't have love, he would be nothing. And I know that we could rightly add many other things to that list as well. If a marriage sees husband and wife with a home and a white picket fence and two and a half children, if they are living the dream, whatever that dream may be, but they don't have love, it's nothing. If we could measure out perfect justice, but we did not have love, that justice would be nothing. If we could release every wrong, but didn't love our neighbor, it would not be mercy. If peace was found by a universal agreement to just live and let live, but we didn't have that love for each other, it would not be God's full intended flourishing. Love is the only context within which any of these things, whether knowledge or faith, justice or mercy, marriage or singleness, peace or hope, make any sense at all. In this final week of Advent, 
We wait for the coming of love into our lives and into our world because without love, the things that we've been longing for until this point won't mean anything. Without love, all our hope will be lost. All our peace will be restless and tenuous and all our joy will certainly pass away. It is love which will bring about the completion of these things because we know that love never fails. Just before Advent, we walked through a short sermon series as a church where we we kind of talked about ourselves. We talked about the church, and we talked about what the church should look like as the beloved community of Jesus. We covered really big and important things like how crucial it is that we have relationships where we're actually present to one another, even in challenging circumstances like the pandemic when that can be difficult. We talked about the necessity of caring for one another and of loving each other in ways that the other person can actually receive as love, not just in the ways that we think they should be loved or the ways that we want to be loved ourselves. And we admitted that this has not always been our experience of the church. And so I'm sure our longing for love and belonging and community is something that we'll carry with us through this season of Advent as well. But this love that we're waiting for, it's more than just the love that we find within community. We're waiting for God's love to come among us, powerfully, finally, completely. As one of the most well-known verses of Scripture reminds us, which we heard read for us this morning, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. There's a reason this verse is so well-known. But I wonder if it being as familiar as it is to so many of us has made it lose some of its meaning along the way. So we're going to really sit with it today and consider again how it is good news for us and good news while we wait for the advent of love as well. God gave. God gifted his only son out of love. God's love has come among us already in the person of Jesus Christ, who was, who was and is a gift of love for our sakes. God's love shared and offered to the world that God created. This is the love that we wait for, a love that comes to us, that gives us that which we need. God's love isn't pining and distant. This isn't the love of an eighth grader at a school dance leaning against the wall, but really looking intently at that person who they're sure they're in love with. God's love isn't a love that meets us only halfway either. It's not as if God has reached down from a cloud and waited for us to reach back, but unable to reach back, God pulls his hand back, washes his hands of the whole situation, and says, well, I tried. No, God comes to us, offers his very self as a gift for us, that nothing at all should prevent us from receiving this gift. No distance, no fear, no insecurity, not anything in our past or anything in our future. As Romans 8 says, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Because that love, it closes all of those gaps. 
it comes right up to us. And it comes to us as a gift. And while that's already true, it's already true that in Jesus, God has done that for us. We still wait for its completion. When God will make his home among us entirely. When God will be our light and the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb will be our temple. So while we wait for that coming fullness of God's love, we're also formed by the ways that we've known it already. And as it forms us, we share that kind of love with others as well. You see, we too are called to extend love in ways that meets people where they're at, as a gift. If God's love for the world would give his only son and we are Christ's body as the church, then God's gift to the world continues to be the presence of his son. Now through you and through me, we are the gift which God's love offers to our world today. And like Jesus, we are sent. We bring the love of God directly to people wherever they're at, in their joy and in their sorrow, the love of God with them. In our workplaces and in our neighborhoods, the love of God to whomever you meet. If God didn't just shout from heaven and hope that people would feel his deep love, why do we sometimes think that we can just do things in our church building and that somehow the city and the world will know our love for them, God's love for them? God's love requires that we go, that we are sent, that we're given as a gift, not on our terms, but on God's, to every place and in every situation where love is needed. We are the faltering and feeble presence of God's love to a weary world. But be of good courage, because we know that love does not fail. And one day, even our imperfect but well-intentioned actions of love will be made complete as God comes among us in God's fullness at last. There's a goal that God has as he gives this gift of his son. God's love desires something for our world. That whoever would receive that gift would receive with it eternal life, salvation from perishing. God's love desires that those who God loves would not die. That's something that I'm sure resonates for all of us. We have all lost people who we have loved. Some of us are feeling that grief most acutely in these days. And we all have people who, should they die, well, we just can't fathom it. To love another is to desire life for them. And by life, we don't just mean a pulse. We mean flourishing, vitality, goodness. And this, this is what God's love desires too. And God desires it for the world. Out of love, God gives the gift of life once more to creation through his son who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
having announced that God gave his son to offer life, John makes clear that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now here's the thing. Whenever we seem to talk about salvation, we always want to talk about condemnation too, don't we? I know that we do. Because somehow in every single baptism class I've taught for this church, this question comes up. Some form of this question. Like, why does God condemn people? Why isn't everybody saved? And the list and the variation of these questions, they go on. It seems like maybe our questions about faith and who God is aren't that different than the questions of the audience to whom John wrote, because he anticipates exactly these kinds of questions, and he answers them for us. Jesus was not sent to condemn, but to offer the way of salvation. So where does condemnation come from? John anticipates that we might ask. And so he writes, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John is saying that condemnation is the state of the world. It is the default. It's where we're all at or we were at at one time. As Romans will tell us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Condemnation is the state of our world. Death is already here. Darkness is all around us. It's how things are. But in God's love, he gave his son who is life to overcome death. In God's love, he gave his son who is light to overcome darkness. In God's great love, he gave his son to be salvation in a world of condemnation. But it says that they have to believe. And so we might also wonder, why is belief a prerequisite? And it's not about knowing the right thing. It's not about if you just knew the right facts, then you can get to heaven. It's about being rescued a rescue that we can't do for ourselves. If you're in a building that's burning down and you will not trust the firefighter that's come to drag you out of it, it's not the fault of the firefighter. If you're in a dark place and you won't open your eyes to see the light that is now breaking forth, it's not that the light wasn't strong enough. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And we, we need to receive that gift. Love has to be chosen. We couldn't choose love before God loved us. And God loved us in such a way that we could see his love in swaddling clothes in a manger in compassion toward the weak and the outcast, in scarred hands and wounded side, in empty tomb and the Spirit's coming. God has loved us such that we are now able to love God through his Son, 
to turn from darkness because of the light that has broken into our lives. And in that light, in that light of God's love, we might find that we have life more abundant and free than we ever imagined was possible. Love has to be chosen. But more than chosen, love must be shared. If we, who were once wandering in the land of deep darkness, have received this dawn of light, and if we have stepped into that light, then we should find ourselves compelled to go and do likewise. Go and announce the coming of this light to others, still caught in the darkness of their lives and the darkness of our world. To announce the coming of love to people who genuinely believe that they can only be loved for what they can do. That they can only be loved insofar as they are able to love others. Or who believe that they cannot be loved at all. God so loved them that he gave his only son. Love is the gift which God has given to our world. And even while we wait for its fullness among us, we have seen its goodness already. And we have been called to be a part of its continuing revelation to all peoples in all places. The good news of the gospel for us once more today, the hope of the advent of love, is that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That the one who is life itself has come into the world and death could not destroy him. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And love, love never fails. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to leave space for you to respond to the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit might be saying to you and to our church. And so there are a couple of invitations for you. The first is an invitation for you to pray that you might receive the gift of God's love in your life the presence of Jesus. Maybe that's a prayer that you've prayed lots of times before and you're still longing for that. Pray it again today. And maybe that's a prayer you've never prayed before at all. But something inside of you says you would like to see and experience even the first taste of God's goodness and love to you. Take this time. Pray that prayer. And the second invitation is consider where you are being called to be a gift of God's love to our city and to the world. So a couple of options that you can take here. We'll leave a minute in the sanctuary, some quiet reflection time at home, maybe a conversation, some journaling, some prayer out loud, and questions that you can talk to other people about too.